Hello, welcome to Philosophy, Science, and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega, Trick Slattery, Yuri, and WSD Time. Yeah! Yeah! Okay, and so the topic that I had suggested for this episode is that you're discussing why people view certain animals as pets and you know they'll they take care of care of them and love them to you know there's great companions but then another animal of a different species is considered food um and because like i'm aware like people are conditioned to think this way by their their culture you know whatever whatever if you grow up in a country where people eat eat horses and slugs, then you're probably going to grow up eating that, you know, whereas somebody else wouldn't think of it, either be, maybe because slugs are gross or maybe because they love horses, you know, uh, like I do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we could, this is kind of just open-ended, like, um, we could, we could discuss this, like, what, what, guys, like, in your, it, like, of course, you guys um, have all the different lives. In your mind, like let's say when you were a kid, um, what wh what was going through your mind? Like you probably had a dog or a cat, as most people do, and like how did you view them as opposed to how you viewed like another animal, like anything? It, like it could be uh, it could be a mosquito or it, or it could be an elephant. Like like does anyone want to jump in with that? Well, I think that people are, you know, do the doc the way we're indoctrinated. Yeah, I think that may have a lot to do with it. The fact that, um, yeah, just yeah, we take care of this cute, this cute, um, fluffy cat over a um, ugly looking roach or insect. Yeah, I think yeah, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, and I know WSD, you don't like bugs very much. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Yeah, uh, and I think that's understandable. Like, I think that um, based on the behavior of certain animals, we're going to like some of them more than others. Um, like, I, not many people like bugs, you know, especially the kind that, that bite you and crawl over you because it's not, it's not a pleasant thing. You or know? suck your blood. Yeah, they, they suck. like those guys for bed bugs. Well, you know, you better hope you'll never get those little bastards. Oh, we used to have them at our old old apartment in Kansas City, Kansas. Man, it was bad. So yeah, I I understand why people don't like um, um, you know, those types of bugs. So what about um? Here's here's something. Um, how about cats and dogs? Like, wh wh do you guys like cats or dogs better? And can you explain that? Uh, I'm more, I'm more of a cat person, even though I love dogs and cats equally. I'm more of a, answer this. I'm more of a, um, cat person. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Maybe because I grew up with them, mainly. Yeah, I think I think it depends on what you grow up with. Like I, I've grown up with dogs, yeah. so it's just it's just a conditioning thing. But um, yeah, regards to like, oh. sorry, like, the place I'm at don't allow dogs. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that too. Yeah. 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 So that might be another. Yeah. 
yeah well, but in we, regards to in regards to this like lack of cognitive cognitive dissonance this 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 idea that that people can basically have a pet dog but at the same time like uh don't really make the same type of associations with pigs so for example if um if their dogs if dogs were placed in the same situation as pigs people in this country at least uh the US would have uh, you know a problem with that they they take issue with that because they they put dogs on pedestals over pigs for example but in other countries dogs are like pigs they're 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 used as meat basically so so it all depends on what you know what what culture you were born up in right you were raised in um, so, so it's so it's definitely has to do with with cultural conditioning, and in, in regards to what animals we consider food and what animals we consider pets, basically. <laughs> so, that's kind of a problem, um, especially considering pigs are just as intelligent as dogs, right? They're 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 not any less intelligent. They're they're pretty much they are they're big dogs, basically. <laughs> um, so, it's just what we what we're raised to. Um, to think is pro- improper when when suffering occurs. Now a lot of ta- a lot of times when Wait, you know we just go to the supermarket, we buy we buy meat and stuff like that. Go ahead, Yuri. What was that, Yuri? Sorry, I was going to ask Trick. Do dogs make good bacon? Do dogs I don't know. make I'm good not, bacon? I've never eaten them, <laughs> but you but know, I'm funny, sure. I never in, thought of that. In certain countries, they probably do. <laughs> Is, is that's the problem. So in certain countries, you know, they they're like I said, they're livestock, just... right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I I can remember. You can go ahead, Yuri. I, I, if you still have something to say. I I can remember as a kid. Um, so we had a couple of bunnies as pets, or at least that's what I thought. We came home from holiday one day, and the bunnies had gone. And, um, you know, I was probably about five years old, if, if that. And my yeah. parents sort of said, oh, they must have escaped, or the gypsies took them, or something like that. And... Um, I just can't help wondering if a couple of weeks later we had um, rabbit stew or not. Yeah, so so that's that's one animal, for yeah, example, that people I, I personally raise. I don't have a problem with it. People raise rabbits here to eat, and at the same time, they they have people have rabbits as pets. So so that's one situation where you, there's you know there's kind of a a mix going on there. Like you can have a pet rabbit, or you could raise rabbits for meat um and i think usually you don't mix the two usually it's it's one or the other and when the people that have rabbits for pets usually probably don't eat them <laughs> so it's 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 the yeah it's yeah. it's whatever whatever you're culturally conditioned or whatever you're conditioned to accept basically yeah you know i watched this video on youtube of miley cyrus is being interviewed by somebody and she she was telling how you know she has a pet pig and a pet goldfish and so like um she like she takes she loves her goldfish and feeds it you know and all that 
but then she would be going to a restaurant and eating fish and like she didn't feel right about that she noticed the inconsistency and she ended up going vegan like cuz she cuz she couldn't see why why is one fish a pet and another fish is food you know it's it's weird when those moments happen and you realize they're so strange i honestly think that that like if you ask children about the the food they eat like if they if they know that they eat chicken or they know that they eat beef or things like that. If you ask them what that really means, they probably don't really truly make the connection to real chickens or real cows. A lot of times they, they just they're just given the meat and they don't they don't make that association until later in life when when they realize there's a connection there. And then by that time they're they're just accustomed to eating meat, you know. Yeah. Like- yeah. All right, so here's a question. Like me, for example. Here's a question, guys. Um, yeah. are basically, you know, what we eat and don't, don't eat, as, as you guys are saying, is, is culturally conditioned. It depends on, you know, what animals we have as pets, uh, what animals our culture has traditionally eaten and not eaten. So I think where we're going, though, is, like, what can we do to um, – Heighten that awareness so that, like, people who don't have, let's, for example, pigs as pets, you know, make that connection. You know, pigs are more intelligent than dogs. I mean, what? Um, how can we move from the world the way it is now to, I think, the, the world where we want, you know, just people to just, like, have a respect for, for all animals, regardless of what their particular culture uh, tends to respect now? Yeah, that's my question. Yeah, and that's, I think easier said than done because people are able to partition these ideas like like if if someone's raised for example in the condition of of a family that has a slaughterhouse if they're raised in in that environment they'll never make that association they'll they'll always see animals as as this food because that's they're they they've already i guess become so accustomed to slaughtering animals basically that it, it, it's it's not seen as anything problematic for them so that that's kind of a problem um all right but trick you got i mean unfortunately like for example mining no it, it's it's not a problem straight factory farms there's there's one percent that are really family farms and so like you know basically this population that has direct contact with these animals is is extremely minute, you know, compared to the relative population of the world. What is, I'm sorry, say that again, George. What's minute? Well, because there aren't that many factories, you know, 1% of, of, of farms here in the United States are, are actually family farms. The rest are factory farms. You know, so the people who are, in, for example, you may have, let's say, 10 people um, caring for 30,000 chickens in, 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 a, in, in a breeding area. So, so basically, you know, the, the amount of people that, that, that kind of like you were saying um, wouldn't be affected because they're slaughtering them, you know, fortunately, that's a very, very minute uh, portion of the population. Right, right. And, and then the, you're right. And then you take into account people that just they're, just they're just raised. They're not raised slaughtering animals, which is the majority of people. The majority of people just go to the grocery store and pick up a slab of beef and they don't really make the association. Right. So those are the people that, that were really trying to focus on here um uh and and to to make that connection uh, they have to care enough to <laughs> to i guess reassociate 
the meat with something that they're concerned with because because I think people meat meat like when I was a meat eater um, mm-hmm. long long time ago long long time ago mm-hmm. but I I didn't make that association and even even when I did I knew there was you know I came from cows and stuff like that but I didn't really. It's it's like it's like when you're watching on the television you and you see, um, it, it, you you know that there's people starving in other countries, right? But until you actually see it, like you see one of those infomercials where 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 you have the the kids with the bellies and th- and things like that, and they're and they're in starving mode. Until you actually see it, you don't ever you know that there's that happens, but you you just partition it away. You don't you don't. You don't have the, you know, you, your day-to-day life is, is unconcerned with that fact, basically, right? So I think the same thing happens with, with meat eaters. They, 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 take, they eat the meat, but they don't really think any more of it, basically. Yeah. Right, and I think you're right. I think that then, then the, the answer to both is what probably the, the same. Wait, 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 wait. conversation before. What's that, Yuri? Yuri? Trick. Yeah, basically, as your resident omnivore, as your resident omnivore, yes. I, I, I'm sort of having a little bit of a problem with the language we're using here. Okay. Well, that, that's, that, you know, that's good that you're here then. And so, what in type some of way, language? a derogatory term. Like what? So, ba- what I'm saying is so basically, you know, there's a moral, you know, it's a little bit of a side debate I have on occasion with you is, you know, this moral ethics stance. Right. And until I am convinced that there is a moral ethics stance to be taken, and it's not just vegetarianism or whatever, it's just this view of the world. Like fish eat fish, cats eat cats, dogs eat dogs. So you'd be fine if humans ate babies? Nope. If humans ate human babies, um, if they did it, I personally wouldn't do it. But then again, no, I mean, I mean, you'd I be fine if they enslaved women about my to, judgment. If you'd be, you'd be fine if they enslaved women to procreate, and then they took the babies and they ate them. That would be okay, right? No. I personally, I, I'm not saying I'm fine about it. I'm, I'm just saying I wouldn't. Look at it as an ethical or moral issue. Well, 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 because well, you're you're an ethical nihilist, but but, but obviously, we, that's another issue altogether. Um, when, when, when yeah, and I'm proud of that. Well, Jerry, wait a minute. What 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 are your ethics? What you know, like what what are ethics to you? Well, I'm. I like to try and be amoral. And not look at things in terms of right or wrong. And I try to be a bit more honest with myself. You guys can do what you like, but right. um, so if somebody went over to your house and just like basically lit t- it on fire, just blew it up, you'd be fine with that. Oh hell no! I never said that. I would. All right. I would well, then, if somebody, I never said somebody that. did that. Yeah, all right. What, all right. Hold on. I, so, I wouldn't look at somebody, it. As... If somebody did that to a friend of yours, you'd be fine with that. I'm not saying that either. 
Well, then you are moral. What I'm That's saying what is... You're, uh, you're not amoral. From, from a moral perspective. Do you think you're there should be laws, Yuri? Do you think uh, there should be laws against anything? I, I would just look at it very simply. Yeah, I do think there should be laws. Yeah, I have absolutely no problems with laws. What, what, on what but basis don't do you think there should think be laws? They should be addressed in moral or ethical terms. How, how yeah, do you have like, laws yes, that aren't be laws. addressed in, in non-moral terms? Like, give me, give me an example of a law that's addressed in non-moral terms. Um, thou shalt not speed. Okay, so, so the reason we have speeding laws is why? Safety. That's so people won't crash going at a high velocity. Right, so they don't kill people. So, 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 it's, so, so it's a harm ratio, right? So we have a cost-benefit analysis. That's that goes on. That's a yeah. that's a fully ethical position. Well, yeah, Yuri. I think what Trick is saying is you can't create I don't, a law without I don't, law see, it as, without I don't so see it as ethics. But that's what it is. <laughs> it's 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 a consequentialist. You might not be able to, but other people can. It, but Yuri, it falls how are you defining under... ethics? No, oh, it's so. Really George, how do you define ultimately, that? what you're saying is, how do I, looking at things in a good or bad light? So, it's to me, it's sort of, it's a leftover from religion that we're not quite shaking. Okay, but but you're not. See, it isn't because ethics throughout the history of ethics is hasn't always been religious. Um, I mean, we we have a whole philosophical history of, of consequentialist ethics, of virtue ethics, of deontology, all these different ethical fields, um, moral realism, nihilism, uh, uh, moral subjectivism. So all, the, these are all non-religious ideas of, of ethical and moral concepts that, that don't entail religious morality. So... Yeah, I would agree with uh, that trick because, I mean, e ethics or morality, you know, even if you don't want to call it ethics mor morality, some sort of, um, you know, uh, where we weigh the pros and cons about, you know, about reducing harm and, and gaining pleasure, you know, there's that there's all these different uh, different theories of morality that don't e don't even have to do with religions and in fact are absolutely opposed to what all the mainstream religions are teaching so, so yeah i don't think it's right. left over most utilitarian ethics are i mean guys i think i think you know uh, yuri i think we're we're basically in a certain sense arguing semantics which you kind of like call let's say not right we might call immoral and all but I think we, we agree that some things are more preferable, more desirable. Some things are less desirable. So, I mean, because, like, I think we're in agreement on that. So can we, can we return to kind of, like, how we can get people, for example, to not want to, um, to, to participate in, in the, the torture or the cruelty toward animals and, and you know. Because I think, you know, if, if we were to go on with this, I think, you and we I, would agree I that, that... Okay, George. <laughs> George, I would say the vast majority of people don't want to torture animals. So just saying reduce that want, it 
to me isn't logical. All right, well, well let's let's go with that. So, right, I, I would agree with you. The, and because I think the vast majority of people have no idea that these animals are being tortured. So I think that's part of the, the solution. But w what else is needed? Okay. Um, for example, pers personally, I avoid chicken because of the way it's farmed. Doesn't mean I won't eat chicken. Um, I, I happen to live in a very rural area. So it's very easy for me to get essentially chicken that has been grown in, we can say, a more responsible way, if you like. Is it easy cutting yeah, and, in and out? Yeah, yeah well, he's cutting in and out. But. Yeah, no, you're, yeah, you're cutting in and out a lot, but, you know, I, I, I think it's with your connection. This happens a lot with your, when you um, talk and all. But um, so, all right, we understand that. So, like, you know, the chickens that you're eating, you know, we, you can be relatively sure that they're not being tortured. And then, you know, and I don't see much, if, any, if anything, wrong with that. You know, if they, if they live a good lives and the, the torture is like relatively pain or the, the, the slaughter is relatively painless, doesn't seem like much harm being done. Um, but, you know, but what do people like, for example, a lot of people here in the United States, no, that they're eating beef and chicken and pork from, you know, farms that really torture um, animals, but they just don't care enough. I mean, can we try to figure out why they don't, why they don't care? I mean. Yeah, because that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the psychology of this, why people actually do, you know, I think it's mostly that they're not aware. So there's that aspect that people, once they become aware, then, then they change. But then there's also people who don't care, and what causes them not to care is an interesting talk altogether. Right, and I think I think part of it's a convenience factor too. People, people, like I said, partition things away for for a very uh, a number of reasons. One of them is convenience. So so if it's um, less costly, for example, to buy this meat over this meat, uh, even though this one comes from a factory farm that you know, is, isn't the best, you know, then, then they'll, they'll buy the cheaper meat because it's cheaper. So, you know, they're, they're able to partition that stuff away, even though, but, but they don't really understand the difference most of the time, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think or there was this guy who used to call me, he, he was uh, a Jehovah's Witness, you. and he wanted to talk religion, yeah, one, I kept like, on bringing up animal cruelty. And so, like, basically, he stopped calling because I think he began to get it, and he didn't want to get it. You know, he wanted to continue eating meat. So once his, like, he, his conscience be became uh, awakened to this, he just shut off. He just, he, you know, he, he doesn't call because he, he doesn't want his, his conscience awakened anymore. Yeah, and well, that's, well, that's the other part about it is, is people, because they, they've been, they've, become so accustomed to it and because become the because they become so indoctrinated that when they're confronted a lot of times they will um go vehemently go against that you know they'll they'll, they'll look for any reason to to give justification for their position basically right so you know the, and then this usually they don't look at all the facts they'll look at specific parts of, of facts for example some, someone might say uh you know you you have a 
of vitamin deficiencies that, that occur. And they'll, they'll might use that as a factor or something like that when you're a vegan. But you know, I, things I, like I, that. Trick, trick, I have, I have, I have a feeling that a lot of people, you know, are ultimately confronted with the fact that it's wrong and they, they don't have an excuse. They don't have, you know, they recognize how wrong it is, but then I think they tell themselves, well, everybody's doing it. They, in other words, mm -hmm. they tell themselves something to justify it, even though they know it's really wrong. Oh, yeah. Well, the fact that the masses do it, too, gives more justification, right? So if, if they were in the minority, I, I think that, that they would see things wish, a little differently, right? I wish I could, though, too. If I run, they'll do that. Yeah, see? Yeah, they'll do that. What, what's that? What you talking about, WSD? Ah, crap. I forgot to mute my mic. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry about that, fellas. That's all right. Yeah, so what was Trick saying before that? Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, that was it. I, I finished uh, what I had to say, so. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's interesting there is that the fact that people are the, – that the majority of people do it, that somehow that – um, makes it okay, you know, and which is weird because why would that even make sense? Like, why why does the majority of people doing something is that used as a defense for something? Yeah, and it's kind of like I mean, like we live in a world like with um, the the threat of climate change, but how many of us kind of like don't buy plastic? I mean, it's 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 a relatively a more benign kind of like a transgression you know it's not as serious not as harmful but you know we live in, in a kind of a world where there it's kind of like for a lot of people just so difficult to go against the norm yeah yeah and like i said we're we're, we're creatures of habit we're creatures of uh indoctrinations we're creatures and people in in first world countries like us we, you know we run on uh energy and all these, all these things that, that create problems for people in um, third world countries like uh, slave labor camps and things like that. But we don't recognize that when we're buying our products a lot of times. And so it's, it's, we can, no, it's just no, we so hard to be ethically you know, perfect at all times, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. In fact, that's actually a good comparison because when you buy clothes or you buy shoes, you, know, you don't have a clue where it comes from how many of us can actually even know that unless you unless you get on the internet and search every brand of sh shoes, yeah whether, which it, can be hard to do because yeah. sometimes i've been noticing i've been looking at where my stuff been coming from lately i've been looking at stuff like that it can be a little taxing on that because it can be hard if you got, right, but if like, you got so the right, patience so to do so so when we're buying clothes, all right, admittedly, it's hard, but when we're buying meat, at least here in the United States, again, 99% of the farms are CAFOs, they're factory farms, where, where a lot of torture comes, you know, is, is, is routine. So, so um, sometimes it's like how to reach these people, and I think, I think one approach may be to reach them with, through self-interest. Meaning, for example, like here in the United States, 80 to 90 percent of people b believe in God or a higher power. So what happens is you use that belief and you say, well, if you believe in God, you know, you, you probably believe that, you know, when you die, you're either going to heaven or hell. 
And then if, if, if the message could be that if you're, if you're eating these, these pigs and these cows and these chickens that have been tortured and you're complicit in that, there's no way you're getting into heaven, that kind of message may resonate with them. Yeah, but the problem with that, George, problem is, is that religion Sorry, religion is used in the in the other way. Like like um, the Bible gives justification that that uh, animals are here to are provided for man, basically for mankind. Well, so, no so, trick. I, I, when when I, I I speak, I talk with Jehovah's Witnesses with um, with um, just various because they come into town, they they talk to us and. And so, like, basically, I bring up that argument, and and no, they get it. They get that, like, there is a prohibition in the Bible, in religion, against being cruel toward animals. But I don't see they, that at all in the Bible. In the Bible, I see, I see uh, uh, God telling them to sacrifice animals for, for God's sake, basically. I mean, sacrificial lambs in, in the Bible, right? So yeah, what he said. Yeah. The blo- put the blood well, of I mean, the like, animals on the do- on the front on the top of the doorstep, right? So, or top of the right, like, uh, example, door frame. With, with Judaism, there was like the, the kosher laws, and the kosher laws. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they have like they try to slaughter the animals in the most humane humane way possible. So that's part yeah. of the Jewish tradition, and that that got translated into Christianity. Certain then the idea is like back then in biblical times, nobody was torturing animals. Yeah, they were slaughtering them, but animals, you know, had healthy you know lives before they were slaughtered. It's like nothing the way it is now. But they did, they still did have a, um, you know, certain laws that like you know before you feed yourself, you feed your animals and stuff like that. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think we might be able to focus more on the conditions of animals uh, rather than the fact that people are eating animals, right? So the conditions of factory farming and things like that. So if, I don't know. If, I'm not sure. I'm not that familiar with the Bible. So I'm not sure if there's anything that says says in the Bible that they should be treating the animals well throughout you know, their life and then until they're slaughtered or whatever. But it, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things like there's a statement or two, but like it, it's definitely in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, he, of course, I don't, I, I don't know of anything in the Bible like that. But um, what one thing is, my thought is, like, supposing that we did this thing, like, let's say that we, like, uh, like people have have a bunch of children, and and they live a good life for ten years, and then when they're ten years old, they're slaughtered and eaten. So, like, I have a feeling a lot of people like me still are not okay with that, even if they live a happy life until then. There still seems something, something strange about it that you you that you raise them the entire uh, time at, and view them as something as food. Right. Right. Yeah. It's. It's. I mean, it's, it's a little problem, of course. So, Charles, with- where does your conditioning for that come from? Well, I'm not exactly sure. Where, where's that conditioning come from? It, you've been conditioned to think that way. Why? Well, what's the cause? Well, you know, the, what's ironic about it is, by all accounts, I should be just the opposite, since I was conditioned in Christianity, you know, for the first uh, 24 years of my life. About I should be totally okay with killing. I should be okay with killing, and and you know what I mean because God commands killing and so you, the animal sacrifices. So, so you just swap, 
So you've swapped one set of conditioning for a second set of conditioning. I, I think it really comes. It really more comes from the fact that we can understand that we it's would okay. not want to be in that position. So, so if if we were in that position, we wouldn't want to be the one that was slaughtered at age ten or whatever. So, so, so it's it's the fact of empathy that we can understand that we, you know, the people that made it past that age don't want to be in that in that circumstance where we're being raised as cattle, basically. So, so it's it's just the you know just the fact that we can make that relation, basically, yeah, that we can account for it. Yeah, I because the because you know the empathy that there's there's a whole bunch of conditioning behind that as well. Oh yeah, well maybe 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 you can have the like the pig that wants to be eaten or the cow that wants to be eaten, like you said, in the conditioned way. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen either. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't. Oh, th- but trick, you've been conditioned. Uh, yes, everybody's been conditioned. That's. Yeah, no one's claiming yeah. they've never. So been basically, what 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 we're doing is comparing my conditioning to your conditioning. What's that? And we're saying one's better than the other in some way. You're, basically, we're comparing my conditioning to your conditioning and saying one is better in some moral or ethical way. Well, one's, one's better because it doesn't ca- it causes less harm. Usually, usually it's the, it's a harm cost benefit ratio. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. So um, harm. So what do you mean? It does So so obviously raising a child till age ten and then and then taking them out is going to cause a lot of harm, uh, probably to the parents, probably to the the child at some point. I mean, there's a, there's a whole number of reasons why it would cause so much harm to do Only such a thing. Because we're conditioned that way. We're conditioned. It's like the, there was an old sci-fi film where people at the age of sixty got taken away and never got seen again. They had. Oh to yeah, was that the uh, give up their lives and Soylent Green one? Or? It was okay until somebody thought it wasn't. Is that that one, the Soylent Green one, or? I don't. I can't remember the oh. name of the film, but yeah, it could have been that one. Where they're eating the humans so because because it's that's okay how they had. Until... Yeah, but it it there's nothing. I'm not suggesting we go that way, but I'm just saying is yeah, no, just I... be aware of whatever position we hold. It's conditioning. Right, right. I know. I, I understand what you're saying. Like, like. If we, so so for example, in that scenario, the the problem was they the humans never knew what they were eating, and they never knew that they were actually being taken out of the game or whatever. Uh, they they just thought they were going to this other place, basically. Uh, so 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 that 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 psychological uh, thing happened. But then when people found out, that's when all the problems happened because of their psychologies, right? So and then and, and their psychology said. I don't want to be in that situation, right? So that, yeah. So, and but I don't think you can get past that psychology. And then we have to account for that in our ethical theory. We have to understand that. Okay, but then again, you're looking. But Chandler, we're looking at that through the our current eyes of conditioning. Uh, yes, and nobody disagrees. Or the eyes of our current conditioning. 
Yeah. Hey, Yuri. So, so our challenge, our challenge is to find a way to okay, reposition so us. Absolutely. Um, no, but hold on. What? That, that's your conditioning. It's not my conditioning. Yeah, I know, but one, well, it, it doesn't matter because at, at this point, it is, it's not about your harm. It's about other creatures' harm. So, so if your conditioning is that you're, it's okay to harm other creatures, then that's, a, that's a, the issue. And now, if, if you could condition those animals to not feel pain and not suffer, then that's a totally different situation. At that point, then, yeah, your, your conditioning argument but, works. But ultimately, Trick, you're saying you're basically holding do no harm at some very high level. Not really, because we could, we could actually survive without eating meat. So, so I mean, so, I, I'm, I'm all for, for example, in vitro okay, meat. No, I'm all for... So you're, you're, you're totally cutting out for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I can barely hear you myself. Uh, Yuri, are you on broadband? Because like, yeah, this happens like a lot when when you talk. I mean, huh? Yeah, I didn't hear what he said. So, yeah, I don't know. Um... All right, it's just on mute. Oh, yeah. No, no, but when you talk, you're, you cut in and out a lot. I mean, like, what kind of connection do you have? Well, basically, I talk and then I stop talking. Give you guys a chance. Oh, so that, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that confuses me because, like, he, he'll, stop, like, he'll stop in the middle of talking and then I don't, I don't, I, I, I think he's cutting out, whereas he's just stopping. Yeah, well, um, let's see. What I, what I was going to say is like, so this thing about conditioning, um, yeah, everything's conditioning. Nobody's disagreeing there, but um, there are, we can objectively, I, I think we can weigh that there, some conditioning leads to causing more pain than others, and we want to avoid that. And, and I know Yuri's going to say, well, that's your conditioning. And well, I think yes, but it's more than that. Um, I don't think you have to be con conditioned to not like the feeling of pain. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, pain, pain and suffering are intrinsically negative experiences. They're, they're they're experiences that play out in brain states that, when they play out, they are negative to the creature that has to endure them. Right. So that's why we're we're so concerned about these states. Yeah, because we have empathy, and we don't want to cause uh, pain to some somebody else that we wouldn't want done to ourselves. And we just understand that it's a bad experience. It's intrinsically a bad experience when it plays out. Yeah. So we can minimize the pain. I don't have a problem with that. Well, that's what we're talking about. So, uh, and we're yeah. But you're to. Basically saying eliminating the pain, but what's going to happen is it's just going to swap. It's just going to swap. Is that what you said? I, that was yeah. weird. Yeah. Well. So basically, the, 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 the idea is to find solutions. What's going to happen is wild animals are going to be 
Sorry, I missed that. I don't know. You you said something about wild animals, but I, I I'm I'm actually against like I'm for solving the problem with animal wild animal suffering as well. So I think that's a, another issue that we could eventually talk about is is, so, is solving that prob the problem of the wild animals. I mean, I think it's actually worse than the factory farming industry uh, is is the suffering that occurs in the wild, uh, just in with evolutionary pressures. So I think that's that's something Trick, else. I, that, I mean, you, well, wait a minute. Well, all right, let's explore that, Trick. I, you've heard, you've said that before. It, I, I mean, like, all right, like let's say, um, because let's try to test it out. Like, for example, a big swish fish swallows a little fish. Right. So like, you know, that this this let's, little fish is being, let's say, slow. Let's well, let's I, let's let's put this in, in, in the context of mammals, because really what, what, what happens is you have a pack of wolves that eat a, a, a deer and it does it while it's alive. And, and it, it doesn't they don't just put them out immediately. It goes through this long, drawn out process uh, that could take an hour. Slaughtered. Right, Where that could take an hour. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really a horrible, horrible thing, and and it's not just but that. You, you have you have animals that endure uh, constant climate change, heat, uh, extreme heat, extreme cold weather. Um, they they get injured and and they have to go through these long, drawn out injuries. They don't they don't have um, anesthesia like we do, so they they go through these long, drawn out things where they, you know, they eventually die. But it takes them. It could take them days to die um so it's injuries there's disease there's parasite infestations that are constant in the wild i mean you have parasites just all over these animals basically that are eating them from the inside eating their brains and things like that i mean it's, it's just the, the, the whole thing in the wild is a horror story so <laughs> it's not just you know one fish eating another fish it's uh just these, all these mechanisms that are just terrible basically yeah i i see your point there trick because there's 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 uncountable different forms of suffering that they can experience out in the wild yeah and there's way more animals but in I mean, the wild like, too so it's like it's like the trick trick have you kind of like investigated in, in, in terms of for example the the um experience of shock like you know like uh, a deer gets you know attacked by prey uh by a, a pack of wolves you know, does it go into shock? It was always my understanding that, yeah, like that, you know, all of a sudden it's like they're being like, like a human being would go into shock in that kind of situation. Uh, that, you know. uh, then, well, you, you're aware that we can torture a human being, right? Like, like, right. like, and it's like the worst torture. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced like really bad pain, but it, it's really where you want to be. You'd rather just be put out of your misery at that point yeah. rather than keep enduring it with another minute of it, let alone an hour. So it's like, no, I don't think it, they don't they go into shock that much. I don't think that's an evolutionary advantage to do that. There's 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 no need for that in the wild. But, fact, but I was just wondering what I was just wondering uh, if you've um, if you've done the specific research on this, whether, you know, what, what what the findings have been? I, I haven't. I always just thought that you know they do go into shock, and you know I just haven't researched it beyond that. There's a good website for it, wildlifesuffering.com, I think. The importance of animal suffering. Foundationalresearch.org. The importance of wild animal suffering pretty much goes into all the details of of the number of problems with the 
suffering in the wild. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, and even though we may disagree uh, somewhat, some of us may, may disagree about the, the level of domesticated suffering versus wild animal suffering. I mean, we can say they're both bad. And I, and I think, um, like, the, the suffering that is caused specifically by humans that is right. pretty much where we're focused because we're communicating with other humans and trying to raise awareness so that people make efforts to not contribute to the suffering. Well, you're right. But like, um, you know, for example, are, are we concluding that like, you know, aside from, let's say, the, the, the one to two billion people on the planet that don't have enough clean water and access to, you know, enough food and all that that are, you know, our suffering is tolerable as human beings. I mean, we, we, we tend to be about 70% happy. It, it seems like most of us, you know, are living our lives okay. But then like when you include, when you talk about the farm animals, then you also have to include, you know, if, 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 all, if there's a lot more suffering going on in wildlife, then like, for example, what comes to my mind is like, let's say we completely solve the, the um, factory farming problem then, I mean, would it be like 1% of, of this, this problem and just be so, so insignificant a uh, solution? I don't, I don't, I don't, see, I don't, I never, I don't look at that as, as numbers in that sense. Like, it, does, it wouldn't matter if, if there was worlds upon worlds with suffering, as, as long as you have this small section that you can resolve that is just as important as if those other worlds didn't exist and you can resolve it. So the fact that more exists doesn't really uh, change the factor of the small set that you can change, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I was, was kind of like leading to more philosophical question because let's say it was like we, we solve all animal suffering, you know, factory farms, and but we, we determined that's just 1% of all the suffering that comes to the wild, right? Naturally, right. we're going to, we may not have the power in conventional means to, to solve that suffering. But like in terms of like our hopes and, 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 and wishes and, and, and desires, should we then, we then be morally desiring, <clears throat> for example, that, that life go extinct on the planet because it's, um, it's more, much more painful than it is pleasant? Or are we going to conclude that even though there is like horrific um, suffering in the wildlife, those animals do like, let's say 99% of their time uh, enjoy their lives. I would say the first, <laughs> but but that's my my from my position. Um, you know, I, I don't. I think because of our our psychologies, we won't we won't get to that point. So what we'll have to do is find some other mechanism, for perhaps some transconsciousness mechanism through technical advances or, or something like that, where nanotechnology starts replacing uh, biology in, in the animal kingdom or something like that. I, I don't know. We, we, the future is here, right? So we, we, it could, anything could happen. But yeah, well, let's, 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 let's hypothesize a bit more. Um, they, you know, they advance these, um, these after-death studies. So, like, you know, they, somebody's frozen for 30 years, you know, thaw the guy back up. The guy gives a, a reasonable rendition of, of like that the, the, the somehow again like I know a lot of you know this may just not seem credible but just for the sake of the hypothesis let's say we um, well I mean like let's say 
if we were to kind of like know that human beings and animals somehow with some animal uh, technology just like have a better existence not living would, would that make a difference or um i mean that i, I guess that hypothesis doesn't work well because you guys in general um don't believe we have a soul and all but um I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm getting your hypothesis. <laughs> well, just the idea that, like, let's say we determine that, like, let's say everybody, you know, this 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 threat of hell is just like, you know, it's like it it's just it doesn't exist. You know, there that like we just all go to a much better place. Um, that, that our problem, you know, not just for human beings, for other animals, is that we're like locked into this you know, endless cycle of birth and rebirth, you know, here on the planet, you know, with, with progeny and all that stuff, that the answer would be to kind of like extinct life so that, right. you know, whatever is left, our souls or whatever, would be freed from this, you know, problem. Sure, sure. If there was some, I don't know, that's kind of a weird mechanism, this reincarnation mechanism, but sure. Well, no, no, yeah, it, it would be, yeah, all right, so just philosophically, all right, but that, that's, you know, that's way, that's very hypothetical, so let's, so, all right, so let's, yeah, let's get it practical again, so, like, in terms of, like, convincing people to, um, to either stop eating meat or to, to, to pretty much force our governments and, and force our, our companies to treat the animals well, um, yeah. Is it is is the self-interest um, argument also in terms of like health? Is that you know something we could do? In other words, like the, the so much heart disease and cancer and all these like diseases that we get are so tied to eating meat, you know, and not specifically just meat, but meat that, that's raised in, in the, these farms. Right. I mean, and a lot of people do that. They go they go to the health reasons why why eating meat is is problematic. I I'm not a big fan of that avenue only because i don't think like like i don't i don't think that's an ethical reason people people can be as unhealthy as they want right like they can they can drink a big um big thing of pop or whatever they could they could they could do what they want to be unhealthy uh and that's not really that's their own ethical i mean there's it doesn't it doesn't when it doesn't tie to other people then they should be able to do what they want. Is my my position. When it's tied to other people and other animals, then you have an ethical dilemma, right? So, so this health thing, you can you can promote it, and it's it's a good thing to promote, right? That eating animals is unhealthy in the you know for the majority of people, at least least uh, in regards to certain diseases and stuff like that. Um, but if people I mean, it, it doesn't tie into the ethical equation, in my opinion. Well, yeah. No, and, you're right. Yeah. Go ahead, Chandler. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you know, and I, I agree there, Truk, because, you know, the health side of it, while true, um, is never something that I've really focused on because, like, you, like I mean, yeah, because if people want to be unhealthy uh, and they don't care about their health, it's not very compelling, so I don't find it very effective. Well, some people but, might... Some people might take the pleasure that they obtain early in life and sacrifice sacrifice future health for that for that reason. So they may say, okay, I'm going to sacrifice future health, but but I'm going to eat what I want and be unhealthy. Um, that's you know, 
that's their prerogative. Now, now we, we, we might be able to tie that to other things like um, increased costs in health care and things like that. And that does tie into a society and things like that. And that does tie into ethics at that point. Well, yeah, it always ends up affecting others, and that's right. the key issue. Whether it's the health or or the climate change, you know, it, it right. oh, yeah. So that's important to consider. Yeah, I mean, because I I'm not necessarily concerned with the ethics in terms of like people like. I'm, what I'm concerned with is alleviating as much suffering as possible. So, for example, if it turns out that that people care more about themselves then they care about these animals. And so they're going to eat, you know, less of these animals, not for the sake of the animals at all, but just to be healthier. And, and you know, and you can add in the healthcare costs and all. That might not be the most ethical. In other words, people aren't doing it for the best of motives, but at least it may be getting done. Yeah, I get what you're saying there, George. If it was proven to be effective, then it achieves the goal, even if it's not for the right reason. Right, or the best reasons, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they always have. They have. Just a comment. In the, in the most recent, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but in the most recent um, New Scientist, they were talking about um, sort of healthy diets and basically we're eating, um, we should be eating more protein, more fat, and a little bit less in terms of vegetables. But we should, the big thing we should cut out is starch and sugars. That's sort of hot off the press. Hey, you're cutting off again. <clears throat> so basically, he said he said starch and sugars are the big thing you should be cutting out. And I just stopped. So yeah, so so a lot of people have different <coughs> like like you're, you're more gonna fats, get more proteins. You're gonna get different different opinions on on nutrition from from two different sides of this debate, right? So and this is this happens online all the time. You have you have the you know people that say, oh, the animal proteins are important, blah, 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 for, for optimal health. And then you have uh, vegetarians saying, no, the vegetarian or vegan diet is the most healthy. And so you, you have an ongoing debate there as well, right? Yeah. And, and I've, you know, I've, I read new scientists on occasion, like, for example, with free will, they've had arguments like strongly against free will. And they've had, our, you know, articles kind of like supporting that we have a free will. So I'm not sure they're, you know, they're, I think they're just like presenting findings. I'm not sure they're all, you know, yeah. they're, I mean, they, they may not. I, 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 have, I have not seen a strong argument presented in New Scientists of free will over the last 20 years. <coughs> oh, I have. I, 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 I forget when the, so, I don't know, maybe five years ago. Wait, they do present an argument. It's for a compatibilist form. Yeah, well, when it comes to, you know... Sorry, you guys just cut out. Yeah, well, well, yeah, sometimes it seems like you're cutting out. But yeah, like, another thing is, how do people know what to believe about what is or isn't healthy? Because, like, I was, just, I was just talking with some people on Google Hangout recently, like, you know, we're just taking that on faith, what some doctor or some dietitian or nutritionist tells us. And I find... That to be a very difficult thing. Like, how, how can you, like, how do you really filter that out and know what's healthy or not? Well, Chandler, in certain cases, I think, yes, there are gray areas. But for example, like with climate change, I mean, there is absolutely, it's, it's so beyond question, right? Yet you have, like, you know, some, some industries, you know, um, 
with disinformation, misinformation. So you, that definitely happens in healthcare. But that doesn't mean that in healthcare they they don't have the right answers. It's just like there's such a profit motive for not for confusing people, for not allowing that right answer to get as much you know, publicity and, and, and dissemination as it could. Well, yeah, I, I understand that because for financial reasons, I mean, there's, there's, there are so many surgeries that hospitals and doctors make so much money off of that if everyone uh, started going vegan and they had less heart disease, less cancer, and, and all of these diseases, then, these, these, then that would be less profit for those businesses. And, and so there is a motive to, um, to you know, mm -hmm. pr to promote uh, the wrong information. Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't go that. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, I, a lot of people, a lot of times, people go to these like kind of conspiracy theories in the medical industry that, and I, I, I kind of have a little problem with those type of conspiracy theories. I, I think there's, there'll be enough medical conditions going on that, that they don't have to try to make people. Um, uh, have cancer and stuff. I mean, we're we're working towards cures to these types of things, right? In the medical industry. Well, no, no. It's 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 partly institutional trick. For example, like the 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 uh, funders of the research of medical research, they're not going to fund research on, let's say, alternative medicines that are that don't cost anything, like meditation and stuff, because there's no financial incentive in that. So, like, there there's a straight there's a very strong push toward the, the treatments that will yield the, the, the most money. I mean, it, it, it's part of the system. It's not like people are kind of yeah. like, you know. But, well, I do but understand it, that, it, yeah, we're in a capitalistic system right now, right? So, so you, Unfortunately, have, you have a lot of people working towards cures because of the profitability of that as well. So, yeah, you have to take that into account, I guess. Yeah, I mean, because the motive of money is such a big part of it. I mean, how many people become doctors or lawyers because they know that's a job where they can make a lot of money, you know, so there can be a big selfish motive for going into that field in the yep. first place. And so people with that motive, they, you know, like you're going to have doctors who would want people to be sick so that they have to pay them money. And you could have lawyers also, like lawyers that will defend a, a, a criminal and try to win their case, even if they think the person's guilty, just if that client pays them money, you know, that, that could happen. That's their job, Chandler. What? Yep. That's their job. And yeah. I, I wouldn't want it any other way. Well, uh, I couldn't have that on my conscience. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree, WSD. <laughs> There's no way I would you know, just hand that on my conscience. That's why I couldn't be a, a freaking lawyer. For yeah. that reason, that reason alone. Yeah, like, I, it's hard to imagine. Like, of course, I could probably never be a lawyer. But even if I was a lawyer. I would lawyer, definitely sabotage his shit. Yeah, because like the way I would think about it, even if I was a lawyer, I would not take on a case unless I was convinced that the person didn't actually do the crime. If I could not take a client who I believed to have done the crime, you know, because I would not be convincing in, in, in trying to convince anyone else they didn't. <laughs> you could be a prosecutor instead of a defendant lawyer, but. Interesting. And could you prosecute somebody you didn't think did it? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Very good question, Yuri. Yeah, could you prosecute someone if you didn't think they did the crime? <laughs> Let me ask you guys a question. Um, I think um, almost every, I think probably everyone but but me here kind of like believes that we just die and you know that's it. You know, we're here eighty hundred years and we die. We we didn't exist before. We didn't exist after. So let's go with that. You know, let's say that's the way it is, right? And so, like, we're all aware that, you know, the known universe is like has been around for 13.8 billion years. And who knows what how long it's been before and after all that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, does it ever kind of like seem like I mean, what the fuck? I mean, like it's, it's you know, is considering that that our, our lifespan is such a sliver within this, uh, you know, virtual eternity, does it really matter if, 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 if we save the climate, if we save the animals, if we save ourselves? I mean, does any of this really matter? See, this, this is what I was talking about earlier. I don't, I don't think, like, it doesn't make a difference how much more of something you have. So, so if you have... Uh, let's say ten units of suffering. It doesn't matter if there's a thousand more units, or a billion more units, or a trillion more units of suffering. If you can fix that ten units, it, it wouldn't matter if there if, if that was the only ten units in existence of suffering. That that doesn't make it more um, more of a concern or less of a concern. The fact that there's more out there doesn't doesn't change the the facts all right let me let me if i personalize it let's say how i'm going to spend a day okay i've got like 24 hours in this day and there are like a lot of problems that i have a lot of like emotional problems i'm, I'm not satisfied with all this whatever you know i mean like a lot of dissatisfactions and like i mean i could spend the day kind of like trying to like <clears throat> you know, lessen, you know, be more satisfied with this, be more satisfied with that, be, you know, less um, uh, annoyed with this and that or that. Or I could spend the day just like forgetting about all that stuff, forgetting about trying to fix things and just enjoying, you know, the day. So that uh, that would be my my perspective. I mean, it, um, again, because like, you know, if, if from the perspective, from both perspectives, either from the perspective that we have a soul that continues and that we don't, you know, it's just like, um, again, like I, I'm conditioned to kind of like want to help you trick. I, you know, um, um, you know, I understand your position that it's the pain that we want to alleviate pain and that's how I function. That's how I operate. But I'm just questioning whether it, it's not kind of like nonetheless futile in a sense or, or just so insignificant. Well, that, that's, this is where I, we don't agree. I mean, Okay, so let let's imagine, I guess, that there is a limited amount of pain and suffering, and you can solve that limited amount, and that's all that exists in the universe, and that's all that will ever exist. This limited amount of pain and suffering that you could fix, or you can not fix it. You you have the the two choices, you know, fix the limited amount or not fix it, and then let it just keep going on, basically for the rest of eternity or whatever, or whatever however long the universe. Uh, yeah. Or, right. All right. So, so yes. So I would agree with you. Definitely fix it. But, but our problem is, and and this seems to be like the way of life. Fine. We fix these diseases we have now. Let's say in medicine, right? We've got polio vaccines. We've got vaccines for this and that and that. What do you know? Like climate change is coming. The the temperature is getting hotter on the planet. All these superbugs are emerging. And so, like for the next generations, you know, they have um, 
maybe worse diseases to you know. In other words, like it's like it never ends. Right. Uh, but I'm saying okay. So so in this scenario where you have just this limited amount that that you you fix and and that's it, you do that. But you're saying because there's more of it, there there's so much more of it that 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 changes the equation. But it doesn't. It doesn't change the equation of the amount that you can fix. Yeah, well, I, I think I would agree. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's an example. Like, okay, now let's take two scenarios. You let you, you there's there's one world where um, everybody's happy except there's this one person who's in extreme pain. Let, let's say they're caught in a bear trap, one of those metal traps that's on their on their leg and cutting into their skin, causing them intense pain. And you happen to be like you know ten feet away. I have a feeling, you know, you would try to take them out of that trap if you knew how, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Now let's take a slightly different scenario where um, everybody else on the planet is um, caught in a bear trap and you're the one person who's not. Do you still try to get the person out of the trap that's 10 feet away from you? Yes. That's what I'm thinking. Because even the, you do what you can with those who are closest to you that you have the ability to help, even if there's um, so much suffering elsewhere that you can't do anything about. Right. The, the extra suffering doesn't change the facts of the situation. It doesn't, it, it doesn't change the facts about the one person suffering in the bear trap. So, so either you're going to say it's okay for that person to continue suffering or you're not. Right. All right, but let's 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 take a less extreme example and let's apply it to to ourselves. In other words, like we have um, whatever pains we have, physical pains, you know, illnesses, whatever, and we could like really devote our lives to trying to you know get rid of all the pains that we have in our life, emotional, physical pains, all that. Or we could say, hey, well, you know, I'm just gonna like. You know, I'm not going to look at this stuff. I'm going to accept it. it. It's like tolerable. It's not really overwhelming. And I'm just going to like focus on enjoying my life. So, so you have one scenario where you're going to overlook all the suffering and you're going to try to enjoy your life by doing that. And then the other one is you're going to the try to change. The other one is that I'm going to I'm going to spend all my time trying to like fix every pain that I have, every physical pain, every emotional pain. I'm going to resolve my all these conflicts, all this stuff. Yeah, you know, so, so, so it would be it would be ideal if you could have both, but the problem is you can't. <laughs> so 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 you have to. I I think I think there's a good midpoint. There's a good there's a good balancing act that we have to play to because as soon as we have hit a certain point of suffering, we're unable to contribute to the uh, betterment of the rest of the people. No, no, the trick, but no, in, well. in this election. In, in this analogy, I think you're right about the balance, but it's like it just relates to our life. Let's say we can't possibly help anyone else, right, in this scenario, but we can either like, you know, spend our time trying to like, you know, lessen every physical and emotional pain we have, or we could say to ourselves, oh, it's good enough. I'm going to just focus on, on feeling better and better. I don't understand what the difference is. Like, like if you're saying uh, – what, right, what, here, the two are the same to me. <laughs> all right. For example, in my life, okay, I would love to like over. I'm a shy person. I was talking about this in, in Manhattan yesterday, and like my idea of bliss 
would be able to like go about everywhere and and kind of like just talk to anybody and everyone and just like feel like you know that you know have this kind of like unit this connection with everyone that's like a bliss right it's not like that it's the kind of like a pain that i have it's an emotional pain that i'm not the way i want to be now i can like you know spend a lot of time trying to get that way it may or may not happen i may spend years doing it or i could say well you know It'd be nice, but it's not necessary because it's not all that bad. And I'm just going to focus. On so, so you're saying you know, you're saying it's the just... difference. It's the difference between you changing your psychology about about needing that, or not. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's the difference between, um, like, again, relating it to ourselves, fixing ourselves, you know, making ourselves like lessening pain, or or just you know, basically accepting the pain that we have. And and striving for greater and greater happiness and pleasure. Right. So so well, I mean that's that's yeah. So that's a decision we'd have to make personally to see which would be better for us in the long run. But it's all it all comes down to what's better for our well-being, right? So if if it's better for our well-being to focus on the one thing, but but we have to do it at the expense of other things, then we go with that. And if it's better to to not focus on that one thing and go with other things, then then that's better, right? So I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't see the problem. I think we have the wrong metric here, or we should consider another one at least. If the sun went supernova now, in two or three days' time, pretty much all suffering on Earth will be eliminated. <coughs> yes. Okay. So life is suffering. Yes. <coughs> So, you know, to, to go all Buddhist on you. So, right, so that but having said you. that, but why not, um, why not take a look at trying to increase inverted commas happiness rather than eliminate suffering? And I don't particularly just mean my own personal happiness, but <coughs> overall. Yeah, right, so, so how do you how do you increase happiness without reducing suffering is the problem. So, hey. so you without persuading you're not going to eliminate suffering trick trust me i didn't even say eliminate but we could we could we drastically eliminate right? happiness becomes blah that's not necessarily true or right, the no, way i'm doing it in my life the way i'm doing yeah. it in my life is like all right i you know i we're all imperfect in so many ways we could you know we could just like you know, uh, resolve so many issues, you know, we could perfect our health, we get to the gym every day, eat more healthy, all this stuff. But like, in my life, what I've found, or especially over the last two years is like, if I pretty much for the most part, accept and not try to resolve what's wrong with me, and just seek greater, more and more happiness. For me, that has worked, that it was worked profoundly over the last two years, you find out that, you know, there, there's still things that I, I that I have to accept about not just myself about the world, you know, like you know this, this animal cruelty and stuff. But but as long as I'm kind of like just reaching for more and more happiness, that it's it's like an equation, it's a calculus. To the extent that I'm increasing my happiness, this um this unhappiness or displeasure is 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 kind of like you know in proportion and becoming less and less. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying there, George. There's a certain extent where you can attain pleasure that's that's great that makes it more bearable to put up with the suffering. 
Yeah, and, and this is what the people like Buddha and those, these guys like that advocate enlightenment. I think that's what a lot of enlightenment is. It's like it's not like you become callous. You you still try to help people, but it's like you know you just kind of like just you you're beyond this this attachment to to you know trying to make things better and all that stuff. Oh yeah, I think that would be the attachments of avoiding pain. Yeah, I think personally that would be great. So 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 there's two different issues we're talking about we're we're talking about our personal how how we can be more happy right but 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 how we can do that not at the expense of others as as well so so someone someone who is extremely wealthy might be able to use that wealth to put themselves inside of a bubble and not you know not help the world basically um that they could probably be extremely happy doing that right just ignoring all the problems of the world but but that 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 comes at an expense as well. So right, a trick tying this into where we started with like how to get people to be more compassionate toward animals with the factory farms, that actually may be an avenue that that may not be the whole solution, but part of it. In other words, like people don't care about animals because they're not all that happy. And like you know, if, if if like you know, spending more money on meat that's been you know treated humanely is is going like, to like impinge on their happiness, they're not going to do it. So, like, you know, to the extent I think that, that people can become happier, then they've got more of what they want. And then they look, they can look around them and see, well, oh, yeah, I can help this. You know, I've got what I want so I can spend more on whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm a big proponent of, of in vitro meat. So that, that's just cultured meat that, that, that's heart, that doesn't cause any harm, basically. I'm a big proponent of that, even though it's still eating meat. <laughs> so it's, it's How, not necessarily... Yeah. The eating meat part—that's that's the big problem. It's it's the suffering. Do you know how far away we are? Because I yeah I I, I oh we're we getting there. That. We're getting there. Um, we yeah we we've we've cultured meat. We we have cultured meat. Not right now. It's just very expensive. So it's just a matter of being able organs. to mass. What's that? We can culture organs. Practically, right. we're almost, we're almost at that level. But yeah. so some because I, I haven't researched this. So no, there's like it's cost prohibitive right now. But right. I wonder if, if the cost prohibition has to do with marketing. In other words, like if, if everybody decided, oh, yeah, we're going to eat this stuff, then all of a sudden there'd be a market and all of a sudden they can, you know, buy it for the same price we buy this regular meat for. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's because it's, it's so – anything new is going to be cost prohibitive. You get it like a new type of fancy vehicle, it's cost prohibitive. Like electric cars, for example, were cost prohibitive at one point and now – you know they're they're starting to become mainstream finally, Be and and now it, they're becoming the same as yeah, you know, same cost as any other car. To get here. Right. Excuse my slang. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean that that's an interesting thing because like I don't even know very much about the culture meat uh, because I sure have no use of it. I'm fine eating plants. But trick, do you know like how that actually works? Like how is it that they can grow that without without getting it from living animals well they have they have they already have the cells required so they don't need you, once you have a certain amount of cells you don't need to acquire any more cells from animals you just you just use existing cells and you can reproduce those cells at at, at a constant rate basically <laughs> so it's just a matter of a reproduction of, of existing cells same thing with like stem cells and things like that so that might be the answer to this whole animal cruelty thing. Yeah, it might, might be 
In other words, like people can make a lot of money on it. You know, they could just transition their 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 investments from these factory farms to these like culture labs. Yeah, and and it, and it solves a lot of problems. It solves the problems with those those people that say, "Oh, we need meat for certain vitamins and things like that." So it solves that problem. It just it solves the problem for people that just can't get that just can't get past the psychology of not eating meat, right? So, so it solves that problem. Just, just solves a number of problems once we get there, but we're just not there yet. Oh, we're close. Now, now, I think once we're well, we're not there in in the mass production uh, phase yet. But I think once we are there, I think I think um, eating meat in in a different way will become something of, I think something that's going to be looked down upon, right? So, so I think things will change in mindsets at that point. Again. You know, so again, your language looked down upon. But what's going to say is essentially what's going to happen is all the different breeds of farm animals we have for food will sort of verge on extinction. Right, they'll, they'll verge on extinction. Right, because we won't be mass produced. We won't be. We won't. We, we won't be forcing them to give birth anymore. So you know, the countryside with nice sheep on them and cattle. Yeah, I mean, we could establish preserves. You know, we have, I think, enough land on the planet to, to do that. Uh, but, you know, they wouldn't be, like, grazing, you know, on our front lawns and stuff. Yeah, but then again, who's going to pay for it? That's the mean? problem. Always a pay. Well, actually, you want to know something? The, the, the um, livestock industry um, is, is, is a, con a greater contributor to climate change than, than transportation and I think some other major industry. It, it, it's hugely uh, costly in terms of water consumption, energy consumption. So, oh, yeah. I, so I, I got you'd be, I'd be very careful about the water consumption. No, it, take, it takes it takes like a thousand gallons to produce produce a pound of of, of, of beef, where it takes maybe a hundred gallons or something to produce produce a pound of let's say soy. I would be very careful about those numbers, George. All right, the, why? What? What? what why? What, what, <laughs> sorry. Why? 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 Because that includes rainfall on the land. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah, but no, no. In factory farms, I mean, like, they 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 pump this water in like from 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 lakes and reservoirs and stuff. This is like you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for for factory farms, water is trucked in basically. You you have, you need a constant supply of water for, and and it's not just that. It's it's just a pound of beef. Uh, you have to feed, basically, uh, cattle and things like that. And and so it's 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 the agricultural of the plant uh agriculture that that is increased with the beef culture <laughs> so it was a, it's it's just it's just kind of a double whammy as well yeah see the the point is um and, th and this this actually may be good news for us guys and, he, and here's why because think about this when you consider how costly it is to breed the animals and and grow all the plants to feed them all that time then when the cultured meat does become mainstream it could end up eventually becoming so much cheaper to produce that that then becomes the standard because it's not at all practical the uh, animal agriculture aside from the harms of climate change right yeah, and that's the key Chandler you still yeah. have to wait for the cultured meat to grow and things like that and you still have to 
you know, it's kind of like like growing plants, basically. <laughs> so you but, still but have I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm curious as to like, you know, whether this is like really, really cost prohibitive because there isn't a market. Because like, you know, if that's the case, it's not like the technology isn't already there. It's just like nobody's talking about it because like, just like people aren't, you know, industries don't want to talk about climate change. The, the, the conventional factory farms don't want this information out about cultured meat. Yeah. And I, uh, I, well, I also think there's a psychological factor there as well. Like I think pe people who eat meat right now might look down upon eating cultured meat. Just because it's not real, like it's, it's just, I don't know. Pe yeah, I think, pe people I think have weird ideas. Trick. I think the aspect of it is, it, you'll have the same GM crowd, so yeah, you yeah. get cultured meat that you would have yeah. against GM crops. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, but I mean, ideally, because like there's so many, you know, I've been researching this because I'm, I'm, you know, preparing to do a series on veganism. And our approach is going to be to a great extent to, to make the, the case that going vegan is so much healthier, that, that, that uh, meat creates so many diseases. So, I mean, like if we can engineer the meat, yeah, there'd be like the, the people would be against like the GMOs and stuff. But if we can engineer the meat to not create those diseases, I think that that, you know, would overweigh the uh, the kind of like philosophical <laughs> ideological arguments against it. Well, they also say that at least at least according to the people in the industry. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to tell. Right. But they do say that cultured meat, uh, that in vitro meat is is more healthy in a number of regards in regards to the fat level content and re in regards to um, not needing hormones because most most meat you you are animals with pumped with hormones that that cause all these you know basically problems within the meat so that cause cancer and things like that so they say that you, you it's definitely a healthier meat to eat so yeah we i mean like it seems like so much of what we talk about you know requires people to be better than we are and we we should explore that in some episode how do you just like you know you know ramp up the conscience of people Right. So yeah. to wrap conscious of people to be just like you, George? Well, no, not not I mean, they don't have to be just as good. Just at least in the ballpark. <laughs> just as good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is actually a very interesting talk. Um, cuz there's all the there's all these different aspects like, yeah, cuz I'm interested, you know, in you know what what is more compelling for people because the the, the psychology like and when the culture meat does become more mainstream like how are people going to react to that you know right. I, i'm very i'm very curious how it plays out um yuri yuri once it's po once it is popularized which is it's it's going to happen what what do you think are you going to eat cultured meat I, I would say technically it's a certainty and yeah. marketing depends on the salesmanship. That but you, you'd eat it. You'd eat it, right? I'd eat it, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm like, I have no objection against GM products. I have no... Um, okay. The, the only thing is there's always going to be an unexpected outcome. or mm. So something we're not going to foresee. And that's okay, too. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like that for all food, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it's interesting. And, you know, like, re in regards to the health thing, like, a lot of people today, um, they're aware that, you know, like, smoking cigarettes causes lung cancer, yet it doesn't stop them. And I think that's right. an interesting thing, too, because, um, like, and, and a lot of people, for example, and we've talked about this before, guys, about, you know, people are obese and they know they need to lose weight because it's unhealthy, but they can't seem to do it. And there and there's a you know a variety of factors there too. I mean, because people are complex, and the reasons why they are either unwilling or unable or both to do to do something, you know, yeah. is very complicated. Which is why so few people even discuss it or try to learn about it because it's time consuming. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a vegan, but I'm not a healthy vegan. <laughs> like like I, I don't I don't focus on health. I, I should be more healthy. I want to be more healthy. I want to eat like just raw vegetables and things like that. But chips and stuff like that, I just you know I'm I'm, I'm still on on a healthy vegan. I have French fries, you know, things like that that aren't you know cooked in lard or anything like that. But and you know it's it's just you understand that you're you're eating unhealthy food, but yet you're still taken in before the pleasure of the food anyway. You're saying screw it, you know. So so that that's kind of the problem with with fully promoting veganism just under the guise of or the idea of uh, that it's the more healthy option. Right. There are, there are problems with it because it doesn't. I don't think it's that effective. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, I think I'm telling you, like here in the United States, 80, 90 percent of people believe in God or a higher power. A lot of them believe in hell. You scare the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George's idea, like where they go to hell if they eat animals, like the... that's what they believe. Yeah, you could get them to like, yeah, you could say like, how is God like? You, know, you show them pictures of animals being tortured. You get them to understand that these animals are like suffering more than your dog and cat, right? And then, then you ask him, how is God going to let you into heaven when, you, when you're doing this stuff? Yeah. My cat, when it's not fed on time, is really suffering. I trust, trust me, he tells me all the time. <laughs> What's that? My cat, when it's not fed on time, is really oh, yeah. suffering. <laughs> the same thing with my cat. My cat, well, it meows me at death. And when I walk in the house, it pretty much... Get earful, you know. Really, the one. That's why I had. See this guy. This is why I haven't yeah. muted. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. What the <laughs> heck? <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, guys. This has actually been a very good talk. Um, did you guys? Was it interesting to you guys? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I, 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 I... Yeah, I think so. Because basically, essentially, what we're exploring is tr how do we get people to do the right thing, the moral thing, the, mor the compassionate thing. And whether it's like animals or whatever it is, it, it's, you know, it, it's a challenge. It's like, it's, it's really the, the problem that still needs to be figured out. Yeah, yeah Yuri, how, how do we get people to do the, mor the moral thing, Yuri? The moral <laughs> thing. <laughs> Oh man, I know I know Yuri doesn't like it, but, but we're we're all trying to be moral, and and he's proud of being amoral, so good for him. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, someone's got to stick up for the carnivores. <laughs> well, it makes it makes the podcast interesting, I suppose. Um, yeah, um, I think uh, may, maybe we'll have to next week. We'll have to do the thing about the science and the emotional uh, em, emotional objectivity or whatever, because. Yeah, this this actually went on a long time. Um, so so just um, yeah. So what so what's your idea for next week, George? Let's go with that. Let's go with like you know yeah. like um, let's just just not walk the walk. Let's not talk the talk. Let's walk the walk. How do we kind of like you know better um, you know exercise this no free will um, philosophy reality? You know, and, and especially within the context of, of you know, like scientific ph- philosophical debates. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, I might have to look over those emails again. So that sounds like a really good plan. Um, was there anything anyone else wanted to say before we officially end this episode? I got nope. nothing. Except my Forget. cousin. Yo, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have him on a podcast hey, one day. Hey, WSD. He could definitely make it. Yeah, he could definitely make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would. <laughs> He's already making it interesting. Yeah, because why have these up? That means it's muted. <laughs> see? Yeah, I think he'd be. Uh, we can hear him. We can hear him in the background. <laughs> yeah, he's he's loud. Yeah, WSD's cousin is really loud. So, yeah. Well, um, I guess. Th- Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this bizarre talk about, you know, um, about why we eat certain animals, not others, and about animal suffering and the psychology of why people are conditioned to do certain things and others. And, and we discussed cultured meat, morality. I mean, we did, we covered just everything. We were all over the place, but I, I, I enjoyed it. So I hope you learned something. Thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>